So, yeah, if I'm laughing, you got to let me finish cackling before you can say your line, right? I think the problem is that you never make me laugh. Come on, I've heard you cut up once or twice. Cut a bitch. Hey, you're now tuned in Albion. Uh, Fortnightly History (laughs) Podcast. (laughs) Okay, I laughed. Hosted by a couple of idiots abroad. Or rather, an idiot and abroad. My name is Elliot Flood, and joining me this fine evening is your co-host, the cheeky monkey herself, Casey Casey Piercy. (laughs) (laughs) This series talks about the absolutely absurd history of the British Isles that we've been learning ever since we left our home planet and moved to Marmite Country. Elle, what do you have in store for us today? Folks, today we will be gazing upon a magical tapestry of absurdity that involves wooden clogs, Mm. death, Mm -hmm. and drunkenness, Mm -hmm. also dishcloths. And also purring, but not the kind that cats do. Mm-hmm. Prepare yourself for some good old-fashioned British wackiness. Um, just because you mentioned clogs and cats and drunkenness, I'm thinking of Mary Bogus. What's up, Mary? <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. Um, okay, before we dig into the nitty, the greedy, the P. Diddy, we have a challenge for you. So according to our latest stats, 57% of our listeners are from the U.S. of Glorious A., and 25% are from the UK. So if our American listeners continue to top the charts, that means we will direct content towards them by explaining what a piss take is and why there's 45 different food groups that are all called puddings. <laughs> so by 57%, you mean like six people, right? Yes. <laughs> um, if the scales are tipped for our English, Irish, Scottish, and Welsh listeners, and they usurp the proverbial tea ship then hey, you're in for a treat as we'll gear our stories towards less-known American pop culture references like singing the Reading Rainbow theme song before talking about the Black Plague. Oh, I love the Reading Rainbow. I can't remember how it goes, but I do like it. I can't go anywhere. Oh, that's right. Take a look. Read a book. It's a Reading Rainbow. Yep, so... So how do you- <laughs> British listeners, you're in for that. Yeah, I might just do that every segment, <laughs> okay. like regardless of what kind of listeners they have. Uh, just do myself, okay? Um, how do you win this battle, listenership of Albion Podcast? Well, share this podcast with friends and loved ones from your home planet, and make sure they're not dicks, um, because we're not ready for trolls. Definitely not. <laughs> Brings us to our fucked up feminist facts. Fucked up feminist facts. Uh, this one is brought to us by Liz from Denver, Colorado. This is a wee tale about mm. the mother of modern nursing, none other than Florence Mother Tuckin Nightingale. <laughs> Uh, Florence grew up in 1830s England in the beginning of the Victorian era. She grew up wealthy with access to tutors and professors and somewhere along the line got a weird, deep, deep sensation on the insides to aid the sick and dying. Uh, That's not where I thought you were going. Yeah, set you up a little bit. (laughs) Uh, This was weird because nursing was not a profession. And what I mean by that is that nurses were likened to unskilled women of hire at the time, a.k.a. Hmm. prostitutes. Ah. Who else would go alone to the bedsides of men without chaperones other than ladies of the night? Fair point. Uh, Ladies of the night are what my coworker Ray likes to call prostitutes. 
a fun factoid I learned while on the clock. So hot tip out there. Please don't talk about prostitutes at your workplaces. (laughs) (laughs) So at age 24, Florence leaves the familial home and starts interning at Harley Street Hospital in London. Um, She's getting her hands in some shit, probably literally and proverbial shit. In 1853, however, the War of Crimea breaks out. And Florence is invited by a military secretary to assemble a team of nurses. I feel like there's just a, a missing detail there in the history books. Like, how yeah. does you know, like a rich but not well-known nurse in England just like get invited by a military secretary? Well, I mean, lady of the night. La- <laughs> yeah. Florence, I want you to assemble your best team of prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. We're going to war. <laughs> This is the president, by the way. (laughs) Prime minister, excuse me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this sounds like Rambo 7. (laughs) Um, Well, certainly Florence is invited to go to Crimea and take a team of nurses and do a little girl's trip down to (laughs) Constantinople. Girl's trip, Bacardi shots. Yes. Did sawing off the legs. (laughs) Scrunchie roll for the doorknob. A year later, she has her formation. She has her 38 nurses who clock in for their first shift at the hospital, which, not surprisingly, is not a hospital at all. It's a brothel. Psych. It's not. (laughs) It is the Scutari Military Barracks in Constantinople. So we're talking military barracks. Not medically equipped at all. It is a shithole. I'm talking rats. I'm talking lice. And Florence is like, okay, ladies, get in formation and pour out the sputum bucket because it's collecting flies. Ooh, what's a sputum bucket? Uh, sputum is like phlegm, mucus from oh, the throat. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Did you, you know, know it's like, bad if you need a bucket for that much, that you have that much phlegm coming out. Well, I, the number of, the amount of people that used to spit back in the day, like even in recent history, it's just something you used to do. It wasn't considered rude. Mm. They would just leave buckets around all the time, and then people would like hawk their loogies on the floor. That's so weird. Like inside, why don't you just do it outside? That's what I do. No, because like a great example is old pubs in um, England. They used to put down hay, mm. and so you would pour out your beer, and it would go in the hay. But also, you just like hawk a loogie on the floor. It would land there, and they just clean the hay once in a while. Oh, man. <laughs> and this is, like, for ladies and men. Like, everybody did it. How strange. But imagine this is also before the hygiene era when they oh, realized yeah. how many bugs, like, came in your saliva. Yeah, exactly. This yeah. is also the time when they're just, like, shitting in their water supply and wondering why everyone was dying of dysentery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cause and effect, people. Cause <laughs> and effect. Okay, so two days after the arrival of 38 fair buxom maidens that mm. are starred for male attention. Sorry, I'm just really <laughs> yeah. playing up this process. It's like a romance novel. Yeah, this is a romance novel. <laughs> so imagine two days you've arrived, you start cleaning shit up, and then beep, 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 3,000 soldiers that were injured in a battle nearby are brought Fuck. to the barracks hospital. This includes, there's already soldiers that were already being treated before 3,000 new ones came in. There's 38 nurses and less, like, you know, local people than that trying to make ends meet in this barracks hospital. Shit, that's crazy. So these men are laid out on straw pallets in a bath of their own blood, their own excrement, and more would just keep arriving in a period of weeks. So severely understaffed, Florence earned the enduring nickname, the Lady of the Lamp. Mm. 
Lady of the Lamp. No longer Lady of the Night. <laughs> yeah. Lady, lady of the Lit Light. <laughs> lady of the Lit Light. <laughs> uh, she earned this nickname because she was working 20 hours a day and tending the wards alone at night. So a woman alone with a thousand men, the scandal. <laughs> but she was actually a bit of a badass at this point and was just, I mean, she's working 20 hours a day. That's four hours of sleep yeah, over and brutal. over. So she she was doing incredible stuff. However, this was no Disney-style ending because within the first four months, 4,077 soldiers died. That is a lot of dead bodies. Good Lord. The Crimean War comes to an end in 1856. Florence arrives back in England carrying a parting gift. Some kind of disease. (laughs) I'm going to say syphilis. (laughs) You're right. All right. It's not. No. Uh, It was, we'll talk about why it wasn't syphilis later. But she did return with a hearty, virulent Crimean flu that nearly killed her. She was so ill, she stayed in bed for 11 years. No. Fucking get out of here. 11 years? 11 years. Not, she didn't get out once. Did not get out of bed for 11 years. I don't know. That's a lot of speed and buckets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 11 years. Mm-hmm. What if she was at home alone and the doorbell rang? Uh, she was rich. She was never I home alone. So. True. Yeah. And I guess that you just like accept visitors in your resting quarters. Yeah. Come on up. Once again. I'm not breaking this street. <laughs> eight years. Yeah, eight years <laughs> on this street. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all of this sweet, sweet beauty rest gives her time to pour over her notes from Constantinople, trying to figure out where the hell did shit go wrong? She eventually realized the soldiers were 10 times more likely to die from an infectious disease than a war wound. Weird. Mm. But it's because God smiled down upon me and said, hygiene, bitches. In 1859, Florence published her notes on nursing called Notes on Nursing. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> she was clever. Yeah. <laughs> she goes on to use money awarded by Queen Victoria to found the Nightingale School of Nursing, the very first nursing school, skyrocketing nursing into a profession, something that's reputable for women to do and still do today, as well as people that are not women. Um, her book is still used in hospitals today, which I actually think is kind of terrifying. Like if you're reading notes on nursing from Ooh, it's like the 1850s. unupdated version. Can you imagine? <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> like drink laudanum and then saw his hand off. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you cure a headache. Cure hysteria <laughs> by drinking mercury. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a bit of a good setup, but we haven't gotten to our punchline, which is our fucked up feminist fact. Are you ready for it? <sighs> Boy, I don't know. This was like trending upwards, and yeah. I have a sinking feeling. <laughs> yes. That is because Florence Nightingale was a hypocritically misogynistic piece of shit. No. Fuck you, Florence Nightingale. What? In her book, Notes on Nursing, nursing, she writes a note to her female peers urging them to avoid considering, quote, the rights of women, which urges women to do all that men do, including the medical and other professions, merely because men do it, end quote. God, what? In a letter to John Stuart Mill in 1860, Nightingale noted that female doctors had made, quote, no improvement, end quote, whatsoever on the dire situation of the befuddled medical profession. Women doctors only tried to be men, and they have only succeeded (laughs) in being third-rate men. (laughs) So she's just discrediting herself, basically. 
Well, it's kind of like so the, she's the exception to the rule. Like all the uh, women around okay. her are complete fucking idiots. That's why she doesn't want to hire them. She doesn't want to make them secretaries. She can't trust them to vote. Yeah. But I mean, like she's pretty cool, right? A little bit of ego there. Yeah. Definitely. Her misogyny went so far that she made nurses conform to sexist norms of purity and subservience. According to Professor Ann Crowther of the University of Glasgow, Nightingale carefully watched her nurses to make sure that they were pure. Hmm. She housed them in dormitories and restricted their access to men and public places until they could acceptably move into their own homes under wifely duties mm. in a virginal state. Ooh. Yeah. Kind of reminds me about uh, what they used to do for uh, female flight attendants and stewardesses in the 1960s. Like they would have them weigh in. You're a grown ass woman and you're clocking in for your job. And your first, your first duty is to go to the scale, stand on it. And if you're over a certain amount of weight, you can't fly that day. Damn. Yeah. So that's just like, kind of like old school version of baggage allowance. Like, Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. We're going to have to charge you extra for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the plane's not going to fly yeah. if you're 150 you're pounds. the scale, sweetheart. Yeah, exactly. Good God. So speaking of Nightingale syphilis, which we do not believe she had, it was because it was believed she was celibate for her entire life. Well, it's, I guess, not surprising. You're not going to meet anybody if you're in bed for 11 fucking years. But, I mean, she hung out with a lot of men That's in and true. out of bed for 11 years. That is years. true. Um, they say that she might have seen herself as kind of like a lower case sister, like instead of being dedicated to life of God, she's dedicated to a life of nursing. Mm. Um, some have even suggested that Nightingale was a lesbian, although it's, well, she had several lifelong friendships with women, mm -hmm. but it also just makes it more perplexing. Like if you're friendly with women and talking to them, certainly, you know, yeah. that you, they can be trusted. Yeah, maybe she was just doing the classic move of secretly attracted to women, so she outwardly projected anti-womanly ideas. Oh, is this, are you talking about yourself right now? Yeah. I've also been bedridden for 11 years. Help me. <laughs> Not by choice. <laughs> uh, so Nurse Nightingale carried her blithe, hypocritical misogyny until dying peacefully in her sleep in 1910. In bed, still. And now it's time for Elliot's Absurd Story Corner. And I'm happy to say today's going to be a little bit more uplifting than usual. Hmm. Not quite so doom and gloom. Less animal murder, less semen jokes. And moderately so. Okay. Um, so, the past is a pretty dangerous place, Casey. In case you were unaware, there was lots of things that could kill you, Ooh. like consumption, dropsy. Are you going to explain what consumption is? Uh, consumption was... Is it tuberculosis? It kind of was just a catch-all term, I believe, Okay. when they just didn't know it was killing you. But I think TB was probably one of them. Do we get to know what dropsy is, too? Dropsy is anema. Oh. Mm -hmm. And Wait, also... anemia, not enema? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It could be either. It's just consumption, but consumption. Uh, there's but also <laughs> natural decay would kill you. Okay. And apparently that's just what they used to call getting old in the 1800s. <laughs> I personally think that the term aging has a nicer ring to it. Yeah. Um, people were also known to die during fights. 
Fistfights often resulted in accidental deaths because obviously there wasn't great medical treatment available at the time. Um, so, you know, people would just accidentally kill their opponent in a fight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, fights broke out over the same bullshit that they still do. Money, relationship, mm-hmm. politics, mm-hmm. whose turn it is to wash the fucking dishes. Oh, wow. We're getting real on this podcast, y'all. Yeah, sorry. Feelings are coming up. Airing some grievances. <laughs> uh, so today's little scrape begins in the northwest region of England called Lancashire, which is oh. near the city of Manchester. Hmm. Now, Casey, what do you know about the history of clogs in the UK? Uh, I know that. Not drain clogs. I was going to say, I know you clog once a week. <laughs> <laughs> edit that out. Edit that out. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit that out Got later. Got a reputation up for I'm here. not editing that out. <laughs> um, did you know that clogs were the primary type of shoe worn during... Um, in the UK for a really long time, especially during the Industrial Revolution. Well, cool. Does that have anything to do with, like, the Viking, I don't know, Nordic ethnicity of people here? I think maybe at some point. um, That's probably, there's probably a connection there. Hmm. Um, But mainly they were just used because they were cheap. Yeah. Um, So back in the day, you would most often see clogs on the feet of miners. Hmm. I'm talking about coal miners here. Not... Who were... To be fair, usually minors, as in children. Oh, womp womp. Yeah. Well, hey, kids back then actually worked, you know. Oh, yeah, not like millennials today. Sitting around playing Fortnite. Oh, get your fucking my clogs attention. on. Get your clogs on and get in the goddamn mine. Um, so wooden clogs are great because they're cheap, durable, really easy to repair. They're also perfect for clacking around during clog dances, which were very popular back in the day. Kind of like a precursor to tap dancing, I believe. Oh my god, I'm loving this story. But did you know that clogs were also really great for settling disputes? <laughs> Just clog somebody on the top of the head? Oh no, that'd be too easy. Clogging in the balls. That's right. The humble wooden clog was often used as a score settler in Lancashire. I'm talking about the ancient art, martial art of purring. If you had to guess, what do you think purring is? Purring is like when kangaroos balance on their tail and kick each other, but they're doing it with clogs on their feet. Interesting. Hmm. Have you so you, kangaroos purr? You're not that far off. Cool. Purring, also known simply as shin kicking, <laughs> is an ancient. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, there's going to be a lot of laugh breaks today. It's like. Just specifically the shim. Just like it's not like a cool Chuck Norris roundhouse. It's like I hate you, and then just like kicking the shit and then running away. No, this is not Taekwondo where they just happen to be wearing clogs. This is just specifically shin kicking. Um, It is a simple yet brutal way of settling arguments between two people. Here's how it works: (laughs) two people, usually men back in the day, Mm -hmm. usually drunk. Mm. No surprise there. Mm. Strip completely naked. Okay, we're just getting started, so bear with me. Okay, each person bear naked with you. <laughs> each person pops their clogs on, and then they both climb into a barrel. I'm getting a little bit aroused. <laughs> both contestants contestants sit on the edge of the barrel and oh proceed to kick the living shit out of each other's shins. A barrel's not comfortable. Like that, just like splinters, like going right up your butthole. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the 1800s. Nothing was comfortable. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, then they proceed to kick the living shit out of each other's shins until somebody gives up. Um, so. Pulls their leg out of the barrel and yeah. says, I give up. Basically, yeah. They just have to, Ooh. like, rise their legs up and they're just like, I'm done. I bet it was gnarly. I bet it was, like, a lot of blood. 
Oh, I'm sure. I think I still I think it's a great alternative to fist fights. I think we should uh-huh. bring it back. Yeah, world star purring. Yeah, world star purring. <laughs> yeah. Great score setter settler, right? Steal my fucking newspaper, did ya? <laughs> you must be having a laugh, mate. <laughs> Take your fucking clothes off and put your clogs on. We're gonna settle this like men. Get in a fucking barrel. Barrel <laughs> <laughs> time, baby. I'm gonna tear your ass. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, purring was considered an illegal blood sport, and it was also often done in secrecy. It was not unusual for people to place bets on these shin-bashing bouts. Um, in 1843, there was an epic purring match between two guys named Ashworth and Clegg. Wow. Um, this was reported on by a local Manchester newspaper, and um, it's quoted as saying, Both men were in a state of nudity with the exception of having on a pair of strong boots. <laughs> Ashworth was declared the winner, mm. and he allegedly went on to kill his opponent in his next shin-kicking match. Kill? Kill. I have no fucking clue how that works, but he fled to Australia because of it. Damn! I mean, I, I wonder, what you got I wonder if, like, the rule is, like, if you are sitting on the edge of the barrel, somebody kicks your shin, but it hurts and you fall into the barrel, they just get permission to kick you until the job's done. I think maybe the only rule is that you have to be naked and everything else is <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Fuck me. That's crazy. Yeah. So while it may seem that purring is kind of like the 1800s version of MMA, it actually goes a lot further back in British history than that. Hmm. And it's not even fucking close to the weirdest sport from British history. Let's go. There are records going back to 1636 that show purring as one of the many sports that was played at what was known as the Cotswold Olympic Games. Uh, before we proceed, can we like make an agreement that we will bring back the Cotswold Olympic Games uh, in our lifetime? Yeah, I would fucking love to. Okay, we're setting up a GoFundMe page like starting now. So it's basically uh, just a public display of sports, mm-hmm. and I use that term very loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, they also called it the Olympic Games, but they spelled it O-L-I-M-P-I-C-K. <laughs> and they just did that because they had heard about the Olympics in Greece, and they yeah. wanted to class it up a little wow, bit. Wow, that sounds exceptionally classy when you spell it that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so this occurred annually near a place called Chipping Camden, um, spectators of the games were treated to all manner of wild ass fucking activities such as cudgel fighting and coursing, which is when you watch a dog chase and kill a hare. Oh, wait, that that same sport has two names. No cudgel fighting is where two people whoop each other's asses with sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I think a cudgel is like a nightstick or something. I'm not quite sure. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, you could also watch people fight each other with dull metal swords, and somehow this apparently would often still end in someone dying. That's so weird. How did playing with a sword yeah. accidentally murder my friend? But it's got to be way more brutal because they're dull swords. Uh, they also had tug of war. Referees at these Olympics walked around with large sticks to break up fights and were called sticklers. Hmm. And this is oh. where the term a stickler for the rules comes Love from. Love it. Love it. Interesting, right? But the most insane sport of all, while flunking. <laughs> who, Go does, on. who doesn't like a good hard game of while flunking? I'm not sure that I like it yet. Tell me more. I know. I get it. I get it. All right. It sounds like the dirty talk of a really posh 90 year old British man. Yeah. Excuse me, young lady. <laughs> Do you fancy a bit of while flunking? Ooh. 
I've got a pearl of port back at my place. <laughs> Interested. <laughs> it is, however, a type of activity. I call it an activity because it seems like a stretch to call it a sport. But like any good British pastime, it does involve getting insanely drunk. So maybe it is a sport. Okay. Um, so anyway, if you think shin kicking was weird, a dwile flonking is going to make your fucking head spin. I'm ready for it. Hit me. Okay, so this is your shit's about to get all flunked up. <laughs> um, this is basically the breakdown of the rules. Okay. First, these are the written rules, mind you. Okay. Ooh. First, a dull-witted person is chosen as the referee, oh. who is called a jabanol. <laughs> I have a couple people I can nominate. <laughs> and the teams decide who flunks first by tossing a sugar beet. They don't specify, like, how far or yeah, where. They just or how it's supposed to land. It's not like a heads and beat. tails. It's a fucking, key, like, cylinder yeah. on a stalk. The game officially begins when the Jabba Knoll screams, Here you go together! <laughs> <laughs> the non-flonking team holds hands and dances in a circle around the member of the flonking team. This is called girding. It's kind of like a ring around the rosy, but way weirder and with lots of booze. Okay. The flonker dips his dwile-tipped driveler. Okay, there's just a lot of words. I know. How, how I'm many explain. flonkers are there? There's no, there's no numbers for. So teams. the ring around the rosy are they all flonkers? It's like teams. Those of are flonks? girders. Okay. The I people might be who are a step here. who are throwing the dwile are the flonkers. Is the dwile the beetroot? No, the beetroot is used to oh, just let's decide just go who back, goes first. Like, just... I'm going to explain it. Okay. So. You have people dancing in a circle. They're yeah. called flonker, uh, girders. Okay. The flonker dips his dwile-tipped driveler into a bucket of beer and then spins in the opposite direction of the girders mm -hmm. and flonks his dwile at them. <laughs> so the driveler is a wooden stick. Okay. The dwile is a fucking dirty dishcloth. Okay. So basically... For a visual image, you have people holding hands, dancing around in a circle. Yeah. In the middle of the circle is a person with a stick that has a dishcloth on the end of it that he's okay. dipping into a bucket of beer. Okay. And trying to hit people with the dishcloth. Okay. By, by flunking it at him. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he dips it into a bucket of beer, spins opposite direction of the girder, flunks his dwile. Uh, there's so much potential for innuendo in this fucking stuff. <laughs> um, so if the dwile misses completely, it is called a swage. When this happens, the flonker must chug all the beer from the gazunder, which is just <laughs> the bucket of beer, which is traditionally a chamber pot. I'm now realizing why they couldn't spell it Olympics. <laughs> yeah, that's the least of their fucking problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before the wet, so the person has to start chugging beer from the chamber pot before the wet dwile has passed from hand to hand along the line of now non-girding girders who chant the ceremonial mantra of pot, pot, pot. Non-girding girders in a pot, 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 pot. <laughs> this is too fucking crazy for me. So are you following what's yeah. happening so far? I feel like this is what that movie Midsummer should have actually been about. Yeah, definitely. A De full game of dwile flonking comprises of two snurds. <laughs> a snurd being one team having a shot at girding. Uh, the jabanol, a.k.a. the referee, mixes it up a little by changing the direction of the rotation and hands out drinking penalties for people who are not being serious, serious enough during the game. The winner of the game... That sounds gets, like you're a fantasy football league. Yeah. The winner of the game gets to keep the gazunder. So, that's fucking Dwile flunking. So how do you win? Whoever 
hits the most girders with their dwile? I'm not sure. <laughs> if it's like a bucket of beer and somebody has to drink it when they miss, then is it just when the bucket of beer is empty? I think they just continually refill it, is my oh. guess. This um, reminds me of the night we met we picked King's Cup. <laughs> yeah. And you flaunked your dial at me. Flonking that dial. Wow. <laughs> Uh, so it maybe is the most insane game ever created, in my opinion. But you will be happy to know that Dwile Flonking made a bit of a comeback in modern times, and apparently it was banned by the Norfolk District Council in 2010, <laughs> citing health and safety drinking laws. Yes. Can, I would just love to have sat in on that council meeting. Oh my god, yes. After much deliberation, the court has decided to outlaw Dwile Flonking. <laughs> it appears that the Japanol has too many snurds, rendering the Gazunda unquaffable. Therefore, from this point on, all flunking of any dwiles shall be ceased immediately. But there's still a pub in East Sussex called the Lose Arms where you can get your dwile flunked all night long to this day. Really? Mm -hmm. Road trip. Yeah, let's do it. Bacardi! (laughs) Dwile flunking! So that is the story of Britain's humble sporting's beginning. I think, I for one, like we said earlier, I totally agree, and I think we should revive the Cotswold Olympics. Yes. And all its shin-smashing glory. And Dwile flunking glory. Yes. Uh, so I guess we have to start fundraising and maybe get like 501c3 charity nonprofit status. Yeah, let's do it. Raise some funds. Um, international Dwile flunking tournament for charity. Hmm. And get a simple crack team of pros from all over the world. Each nation, nation sends their finest flunker. Every participant gets a pair of clogs. Oh, yeah. What if we combine the two and there's like shin bashing yes. and while flunking? Yes. yes. You're like trying to chug the chamber pot full of beer while someone's are. kicking the shit out of your legs. Or you're trying to do the wet towel whips while like kicking simultaneously out of the back like yeah. a mule. <laughs> I think we got a lot of potential. Sponsor us. Yeah. All right. If anyone's out there who's a dwell flunker, hit us up. <laughs> From Albion comes from Male Gimp. Male Gimp. Male Gimp. Male Gimp? Male Gimp? Yes, M A L E G I M P. Male Gimp. Take your email marketing to the next level by letting one of our Gimps do it for you. You can thrash them, you can starve them, you can beat them with a shoe. Got a cool new campaign? Let them send it for you. Enter promo code BIGGIMPIN at checkout. Subscribe on any major platform, and we'll see you again for episode five. Toodle pip. Tinkity tonk. Bye.